Greetings and welcome to another episode of Vividly Speaking with who else but me, Dr. Vivid. Ah, you know, I just love meeting y'all here every single week. And if you're new here, this is a safe place where we get into all things mental health and wellness. We laugh, we expound, we expose, we dissect, but most importantly, we're real. Come on and explore how to decrease your stress. We dive into some mess. (laughs) We talk about the music that's been appealing to us connecting with us and we just talk about topics that are on our hearts so let's not delay now that you got the rundown let's get into it come on let's go the episode is about to start all right all right all right how are you how you doing how's your mental health how's your physical health how have you been over the last seven days? I hope you're well. And if you're not, I hope you're doing everything you need to get to where you deserve to be if you need to be. And if you're doing well, keep that shit up. We proud of you. Clap it up. <laughs> Y'all, whew, it has been a week. Um, Dr. Vivid. I, I, Lord, it's been a trip. Um, I've had to do some spiritual reflection. I've had to set some new boundaries. I've had to, um, sit with some unpleasant anxiety. I've also had to start preparing my kids for back to school. Jojo is starting pre-K threes, her, her first First day of school is approaching. Um, I now have a fourth grader with Aaron. So this is going to be a a very interesting first day of school, but I'm ready for it. And for those of you guys who already sent your kids off to school, how's it been for them? How's the check-in process been and what they've been telling you so far? I'm really excited. Um, As a single mommy who works from home, I am excited to get some peace back in this house during the day. Even though <laughs> I said I want to get some peace back, I we adopted a kitten um to keep my older cat some company while the girls are at school during the day because of course, who's been playing with them her all summer but my kids, who she's been used to for the entire 8 years of her life, Aaron and then Jojo. So it's going to be different not always having some type of kid around so this is the first time she's gonna um you know experience that now she she's been with us long enough so she's experienced Aaron's first day of school and she was a little bit sad so I was like "Mm, she's older let's let's make sure she got a little bit of young blood to keep her on her toes and to give her some company and honey (laughs) Lola has been keeping the comedy flowing as Chloe gets used to her. What things have you added to your life to bring you joy, to give you peace? You know, if you can't answer it, I want you to think about it. But you know what we're about to get into next, right? So, y'all, what's happening? What goes on here? I 
I really need answers. So I'm scrolling across Quinta Brunson's internet and listening to some of my favorite podcasts. Shout out to the friend zone. And I keep coming across, I'm not even going to say homie's name. The NFL player that has such an issue with Russell Wilson and his squareness, as they call it, his lameness, as they call it. Get over it. Let that man be great with his beautiful family, making his millions of dollars, and leave it be. Leave it be. Anywho, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about them coming for Russell. We're talking about the audacity that some of y'all have. And we need to address this serious issue. This man got on a podcast and said that he does not wash his whole body. He said he only washed under his arms and between his legs. Maybe, maybe, maybe twice a week. And he's been doing this for a very long time. As me and my friends were joking, say, a long periodic time. Sir, you play football. Sir. Sir. You probably stink. You're probably really musty. Um, And you know what made me go, what goes on here? Not that he has the audacity to come for a clean cut well groomed, <laughs> well bathed man. Mm-mm. That wasn't it. It was the fact that it was some guys that have been on like the shade room of other platforms in comment sections and then on Twitter saying that y'all not cleaning yourselves probably. And a lot of men are admitting. To not washing their ass. Not cleaning their butt butts, as JoJo would say. You gotta clean your butt butt. Even my three-year-old knows you gotta clean your butt butt. And what really makes me scratch my head and tilt it to the side is the fact that men are equating washing their ass to some type of homoerotic function. What? Clean your butt. Clean your butt. You wondering why we got monkeypox and COVID running around through these streets, E. coli, polio, because people just don't take care of themselves. And they find every excuse not to. And this shit is not cool. You cannot be out here not cleaning yourself. I'm not even going to go, go, I'm not even going to go toe to toe with y'all about how many showers Y'all take a week. I'm not doing that. I'm not. I have my own personal <laughs> feelings. But we ain't talking about that today. But I need you to know that you need to clean your butt. You need to clean under your arms. You need to clean your genitals. Because not only are we talking about must, but you're putting yourself at risk for bacteria and bacterial infections. And for those of you who are having sex with partners, ill. Not being clean is a surefire way to give your partner some type of infection, whether it be bacterial vaginosis, yeast infections, STIs. I need you to clean yourselves. 
nowhere, nowhere is it written that you as a man, a cisgendered male, heterosexual male, that we're going to think that you're a homosexual male because you clean your butt. Who told y'all that? This is upsetting me. I, I, I want you to understand that it's this idea that it has something to do with homosexuality is ludicrous and it's ignorant, but also you're doing yourself a disservice. Your, your actual hygiene is directly tied to your mental health and wellness. Cleaning yourself, keeping yourself clean, keeping yourself groomed. These are all things that you need to do to keep your mental health enhanced. You know? Your skin care, your bodily care, your health is directly <laughs> connected to your mental health and wellness. You not taking care of yourself and not giving your body what it needs you're going to start having some physiological and some psychological um, blowback. I'm telling you. One, your social scene going to change. Because if, you're, if you are not cleaning yourself, especially, come on, we're all adults here. After using the bathroom and being involved in really intense sports, sweat, and poop and pee just sitting on you, baby. No, 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 no. With the lady in the get out, say, no, 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 no. Y'all gotta lift those shackles off your feet so you can dance right into the shower. Cause I am concerned. Concerned. What is like putting some freaking. Dove, some Bronner's, some Dr. Bronner's, scrub yourself, clean yourself. You need to wash in between your legs, under your arms, every day, every day, okay? And I know sometimes when we're depressed, our hygiene slacks. That's why I said it's completely... I need you to understand how this is connected to your mental health and wellness. You know, when we're depressed, that's the first thing to go. Or when we're dealing with the, like a schizophrenic episode that's really intense, we start to understand hygiene goes by the wayside. But if you are in your right state of mind, if y'all don't get y'all ass in the shower, what's happening? What the fuck goes on here? Clean your butts. Ew. All right. So... Excuse me, guys. I wanted to talk to you about... <laughs> well, you know what? We're just going to spill some tea, all right? So, about a week ago, I posted a couple little tidbits in my IG story about me just having a moment in the shower and reflecting upon some of the obstacles I have faced as a black clinician, as a woman who is a black clinician. And I say, I should make a video about it. I should talk about it on the, on the podcast. And the way y'all came into my DMs and said, yes, please, I want to know. <laughs> so here we go. Today's <laughs> episode, we gonna spill the tea, okay? 
And I want you to, I'm spilling the tea, not just to talk shit or to get stuff off my chest. Cause I've already done that. <laughs> I do that with my friends and my family, my tribe on a regular basis. But I want you to get, I want you guys to get a better understanding of why representation matters and why I am flat footed standing in who I am at all times. You know, it's hard being a woman of color in this industry. It's hard being a black woman as, as that's a clinician in the United States of these Americas. I'm, I, you know, I ain't gonna hold you. Y'all know that there's racism, there's discrimination, there's stereotypical BS that we have to deal with. And I really, so I've been a black girl all my life, a black woman for the basically half of my life. Right. And I, in my girlhood, I understood that racism and craziness existed within the adult realm. I just didn't understand how it amplified when it came to your professional dreams and endeavors. And it's something she, baby, you gotta be there. You gotta be there. You gotta see it to believe it. And, um, so let's just, I'm just going to talk to you about some of the wild things that I have had to encounter that to most people that I discuss it with, they were like, oh, I would have left this, this field, this profession, like ain't no way. And yeah, I've definitely had moments where I felt like that, but also I feel like I owe it to the community that I, I, the communities that I serve to show them, oh, baby, you have to come harder than that. Oh, but they try. <laughs> they try. So I always, I think I spoke to you guys about, um, my experience, uh, in a, a psychiatric institution for my externship where I found out that one of my male, uh, colleagues, was racist, sexist, ableist, and some more. But I found out about his particular hate of black women late in the game. I mean, literally after he had gotten his badge taken and was escorted off the property. Um, I had found out that he had been saying disparaging things about me as a black woman since he saw my face and we had to run groups together and I had been in rooms alone with him and the other externs and interns and most of the extern team intern team that I was with they were white I had a colleague that was from my um my graduate program she is mixed um, she was African-American and white and he seemed comfortable around her because of the racial ambiguity of it all. I do even remember him asking her in a very cringy way, what are you type of thing? And I was like, oh baby, no. Um, and then the other extern that came on, um, she's fire, beautiful, chocolate african-american girl and when i say african-american african roots down and but she didn't have interaction with him um and we had a black 
clinician that worked on worked on a separate floor. So yeah, it was myself, um, a couple blonde hair, blue eyed, and brunette <laughs> white women, um, a lovely dark haired, tall Russian man who was one of my best intern supervisors I ever encountered. I I adore him to the day to this day, and I hope he's thriving in his clinical dopeness. And my um, other intern supervisor who was having a baby around the same time I was getting ready to have my first baby. She was on her second and she was sweet as pie. And if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have known that this man was saying dangerous, despicable and disrespectful things about me. My supervisors knew and left me in a room with him. My supervisors knew and never brought it to my attention and left me emotionally vulnerable. My supervisors knew this and still asked me to run groups with him. And it really affected my level of, the, the level of trust I had for my supervisors, one more so than the other, both of them being white women. And their fragility that was involved in not protecting their supervisee, not informing their supervisee. Because if this man had enough hate and vitriol in his system, in his body, to be removed from an externship, escorted off the premises, and permanently barred from a psychiatric institute, you know what you got to do to be barred from a psychiatric institute? As an employee, <laughs> um, I, I, I was hurt. I was frustrated and I had my baby a couple of weeks after and I remember struggling with telling them when I was going to come back and her equating it to unprofessionalism and me saying I don't feel safe and I remember her getting a little upset because I sensed my the supervisor that I liked <laughs> and my intern supervisor a picture of my daughter my oldest daughter Erin and she she was offended and was like, oh, you know, you're not a team player. You're not communicating. No, I'm communicating with the people who keep me safe and you're not one of them. And I had to stay there for an extended time um, because of me giving birth to my daughter and taking a couple weeks for me to, to heal. I was only, I took off for four weeks so I could heal. And it was, Yeah. I had her April 28th. I came back in June and you would have asked, they acted like I was never going to come back. They were like, oh, you know, I'm like, I just had a baby. I'm not coming back the next day. I had to be in class a week. No, yeah, I had to be in class a week after I had my baby. I couldn't, you know, I had to figure out how I had to balance my schedule better. And they were, she was rude to me about that too. But it's so sweet to... My white intern supervisor. Situations like that let me know how I was valued. But when you had issues, you know, in group with black group members, you referred to me. So you need to know where I am. I need to give you all this information about me. I need to smile in your face and kiki 
but you can't protect me from emotional and possibly physical harm. Wild to me. And that's not the only story. <laughs> like I um worked for another clinician who stressed she's probably she's probably a great person in her personal life, a little neurotic. <laughs> but you know, I told her what I came from. She was very aware of that situation that I had. And being a woman of color herself, I expected her to get it. But instead, she was intent on, like, working me to death and using, you know, this whole women of color stick together thing to And I was just really frustrated. And y'all, when I tell you working me to death, I literally had a medical emergency, um as I was leaving my work day, cause I used to work doing um, psychological assessments and doing behavioral, um, behavioral counseling in school settings. And I did some private clients for her as well. And I had a medical emergency and I'm literally in the ER getting taken back and she's like, oh, okay, but do you think you can have, you can get this written up? Okay, what's your blood pressure? Like, uh, um, are they going to keep you? Like, I don't understand. Like, how'd you get... it? Shorty was gaslighting me for being sick. For being sick. And then I remember the conversation of, you know, I, I just not... I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm going to have to, you know... It's like, oh, okay, I just want to make sure we have this in writing so you don't sue me. And I was like, what? Uh but it was a very toxic situation. She's the reason that I don't use Microsoft Teams or Outlook because the sound of the notifications are triggering to me because I would get notifications at one o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock at night, six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. I'm not exaggerating. I would literally be testing or talking to a kid or having a session and I would get like emails, this is wrong. Did you do this? And I'm like, I am literally, first of all, that's an edit. It's not done. You need to do this. And you did this. And all this data is wrong. And I'm like, no, it's not. I've looked over it. I had a secondary. I, it was just a lot for me. So I left. Um, <laughs> I left. Then I was at a community health, um, a community mental health center based in Southeast DC <clears throat> amongst some of the most underserved, you know, constituents in the city. I did an externship there and then I was hired. I, I stayed, I accepted the position of being hired <clears throat> because as a grad student, I needed money and it was going to help me out. And I become comfortable and um with my client load and I really liked my direct supervisors really adore them still to this day love them to pieces they're great women but the powers that be were some shysty men who were sexist they were men of color but they were sexist as hell and had these antiquated views on women in positions of power and would just give her hell and give us hell by proxy. And we're doing whatever they needed to do with these these funds. Baby, I didn't get paid for eight months 
straight. And if you've ever been to college or in grad school, you understand that you need money. <laughs> like, you need money like you never needed money before when you're in school. And you really have budgets and you're trying to, you know, live, stay afloat. And I remember them asking, Do you, aren't you in a, are you in a relationship? Aren't you? Wait a minute. So I'm in a relationship. So that means that I don't deserve to be paid. Then they were always breathing down the women in the office's back. They had a whole fake doctor. A whole doctor with a fake degree that I and my good girlfriend, we were we went to the same school. We did that. That was our first externship and we did it together and I'm glad I love her to life. Dr. Broderick, this one's for you, girl. Love you. But I, we were like, um, something ain't right. Homie don't know certain things about diagnostic clarity. Y'all telling us we just externs and this is our first time working with clients. But there are things that this man who could be my grandpa should know. Whole time, this man didn't even have a real degree. And I said, y'all need to be shut down. This is unethical. You didn't, you didn't look into any of this. I I can imagine with his clients had to endure and the damage that was done. I got out of there. I got out of there because, you know, certain things didn't align with my spirit. And at that time, I was also pregnant with my first child. And um, that was right before I went to the uh, psychiatric institute. And I remember just being like, there's no way. There's no way that you are sitting in every woman's face who is a clinician that has doctor in front of her name or MA behind her name or is a student that is in this field and taking this shit seriously. And you're questioning everything that we're doing. But you let a man with no degree and it's not even he didn't have a license y'all he legit didn't have any real degrees none of them all fake all fraudulent and that wasn't even handled the way that he was handling situations with us and i I, and it's something that you have to deal with in this field like the level of racism and sexism they're just boxing every day and and it's just ridiculous I um went I went to internship. I started internship um in twenty thirteen. I know because it was right after I had my child. I I literally ha- was gave birth to my child and sent an email to an internship letting them know that what my start date I had signed X Y and Z papers. <laughs> so I get to internship. I'm a new mom. I'm engaged to be married and working on getting um preparing for my wedding. So they knew, they knew this, you know, it wasn't a secret. Um, I, I'm so blessed to have had the other three women. Um, my doctor tribe, shout out to Dr. Harris, shout out to Dr. Hayes, shout out to Dr. Jones. I know them names have been changed. So that's why I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give y'all that, but that's who y'all were to me at that time. Right. (laughs) Um, 
We were all working. We were in our doctoral internship. We were doing well over the 40 hours a week that we were supposed to do. There were a lot of weeks where we were clocking in 50 plus hours. It was a lot. Um, And the level of sexism and favoritism and just verbal abuse that happened at this particular community mental health clinic that was run by a man of color. Oh, baby. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous. And he would make remarks, again, to the women who, I ain't gonna hold you, he desired to be. Because all of us had credentials that he didn't have. Hmm. I can say that now. I don't work for you no more, big buddy. But, (laughs) you know, this man had the audacity to tell me that I needed to book a hotel room and have sex with my husband and find a babysitter to reduce my husband's stress. My, I don't remember if it was my husband or my, he was my husband or my fiance at the time. But either way, it didn't matter. That was his reaction to me saying that I was a little bit overwhelmed with some of the things that were going on at work and trying to um, realistically navigate new mommyhood and um, my work-life balance. And his response was basically, be quiet and go fuck your husband. And I will never forget that. I will never forget it. And I let other supervisors know. And they were just like, okay, buttercup. (laughs) But he was also yelling and berating other people in the office on a regular basis. I'm talking about cussing people cold out to the point of almost tears. There were times where I had to pause my um, telephone calls in my office because you could hear him screaming at one of my supervisors. I remember um, us asking for like money for gas because he had us transporting literally dozens of children in the summer program in our own vehicles i'm not i'm talking about like i'm responsible for 18 children in my toyota corolla (laughs) like what do you want and he was so upset that i had the audacity to ask for intern gas stipends while he was in brazil and other countries living it up with his multiple luxury cars and his big ass house, you know. I remember him and another supervisor implying that I was overly emotional because I was in the middle of doing an assessment with a client and they were asking me to do tasks and I said, I can't get to it right now. I was like, I can't do that right now. I'm in the middle of something and kind of got back to my client who was waiting and they pulled me to the side and was told me that, that was inappropriate and I was emotional because I told this man, no, that sounds like a mommy daddy issue that ain't got shit to do with me. <laughs> like these are the things that you deal with while you're trying to become doctor, whoever, as a, a black woman, as a woman, like in this space, as a woman of color, it is stressful. The amount of sexism, the amount of racism and just the amount of bullshit and the and, and the fake camaraderie 
people are expecting you not to get paid what you're worth. I left. These people offered me less than minimum wage to stay on. They were like, oh, after I graduated. It was a full doctor. And was like, yeah. So you're going to cut the pay you were giving me as an intern in less than half? And tell me I should be grateful? Like, it, it was so wild. And there were so many times that I cried. I've had so many crying moments, some sobbing moments on the phone with my mom. Like, I don't know if I can do this. And so many moments where I had anxiety attacks, just thinking about going into meetings or having to, you know, replay my day. And I'm so glad that I am healed from those experiences and have moved on. But I think it's important to let y'all know that because a lot of you guys see certain clinicians um, mental um, or mental health professionals on social media and you wonder why they take breaks or you wonder why they don't ex- give themselves to you in certain capacities at a consistent rate. It's because we've been triggered and traumatized enough. And so sometimes certain conversations or certain things that are said to us or hurled at us are very reminiscent of the hazing that we've already endured. And we're like, no ma'am, no sir, no green eggs, no ham. We're not going back to that. We deserve respect. I deserved respect, period. No matter where I was in my clinical journey or my training journey, I deserve respect now. All clinicians who are respectful, competent, kind, women, men, non-binary, fluid, I don't care what you are. You could be a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. If you have done the work and you're showing up, respect is the minimum. So be mindful of that when you're asking questions about why you don't offer, why you don't take insurance, or why you don't work in these settings, or uh, are you removed, are you bougie now, or I don't understand why you guys just can't give this or can't do, we can't, and we won't give in to certain things, or been when it comes to certain things related to our professional functioning because we have gone through enough and we know what we're worth and we ain't going back baby all right <laughs> all right that's enough tea spilling for now let's get on to something else it's time for whale mail whale mail whale mail yeah <laughs> All right, y'all guys, it's time for whale mail. This is the part of the episode where I get to read your questions, your topics, your themes that you have submitted from these TikTok streets, these Instagram streets, these Twitter streets, these Facebook streets, or straight from my inbox. You know, you can reach me at contact at drvivid.com. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And I chose this whale mail submission for y'all. Because it came from it came from the TikTok streets, but it was something I feel like everybody needs to hear. Um, one of the TikTokers said, "Can you outgrow your therapist?" Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. We can outgrow many different types of relationships and dynamics in our lives. 
So why wouldn't it be possible for us to outgrow a therapeutic relationship? And it doesn't mean that the therapist is a bad therapist. The person sucks at therapy. <laughs> no. You suck. Boo. No. <laughs> it doesn't mean. That's not what it means. What it means is that that person's theoretical orientation, the skills that you have learned from them, they were good for where you were at one point in your therapeutic journey, but they no longer are serving the same purpose. You know, you've outgrown some of the techniques, some of the coping strategies, some of those tools, not meaning, oh, I don't use them anymore, meaning I use them and I need more. Or I use them for what I needed them for, for that moment in my life, but they're no longer working because I have progressed to a different point in my thinking or my behavior. Or it could be y'all have come to the end of the road. You've done the work that you needed to do and it's time for you to move on and transition to this next chapter in your life without your therapist, without a therapist. And that's okay too. You know, a lot of people graduate out of therapy. It, some people do, some people don't. And either way, it's not a bad thing. It just is indicative of the amount of work that you've done and the growth that you've accomplished. And don't be afraid to have that conversation with your therapist. If you feel like the tools or the style, you've outgrown it. It doesn't um, mesh well with the current issues that you want to dive into or the things that are going on in your life. They don't apply or you feel like you need more. Tell them. Now, for some therapists, they may be able to add things or um, transition out of certain strategies. And some, they may refer you to another therapist or say, hmm, I think you would benefit from this style. It's not uncommon for someone to say, okay, I've done a lot of CBT with you. I think you would definitely benefit from um, EMDR or uh, some type of biofeedback. You would benefit from DBT and that's not my specialty. So it's time for you to get those tools from someone who specializes in those approaches. Nothing wrong with that. Talk to your therapist about what you need so you can get what you need to get where you need to be. We love when you feel the shift in your therapeutic journey and you are aware of your needs. We love that. We love self-awareness. So advocate for yourself, whether that be finding another therapist asking for referrals or asking your therapists, you know, can we try this? I've been doing some research or talking to some friends or listening to some podcasts. And I think this approach may be something that I want to try. Is this something that you're comfortable with or something you're knowledgeable about? Do it. Do it for you. If you want to submit any questions or topics for Well Mail, you know where to find me in these social media streets. I'm Dr. Vivid on TikTok, Dr. Vivid on Instagram, Dr. Vivid on Twitter, but doctor is spelled out the whole word. Shout out to Boondocks <laughs> there. Also, you can always email me at contact at drvivid.com.
Thanks, guys. All right, all right, all right. It's now time to take a beat. This is the part of the episode where I talk to you about what I've been listening to, what's been on my spirit, what's been helping me reflect, relax, what's been bringing me joy, what's been on repeat. Y'all, I ain't gonna hold you. Still listening to Yonsei. But you know who else I'm listening to? Meg the Stallion dropped Traumazine. And I'm gonna tell you the truth. I haven't got to listen to the entire album because I've been listening in the car and JoJo is at the age where she repeats, repeats lyrics and some stuff we just can't ever repeat. <laughs> but I do like NDA. Mm-hmm. Budget with Lotto. Also, she giving the girls a little bit of, you know, yes, yes, Kiki with her. I love, love, love anxiety. I love her being real about what she's dealing with, with her anxiety and spitting bars about it over a bomb track. So shout out to you, man. Shout out to you. And honestly, guys, that's it. That's all I have for you on this take a beat. Real short, real sweet, real, real get into it. Like, so check out Meg The Stallion's new word, Trauma Zine. If you're into Beyonce, if you haven't checked it out already, if you're into dance, if you haven't checked it all out already, definitely get into Renaissance Part 1. And also let me know, what you listen to? What you getting into? Because I want to know. All right, it's time to do it yourself. This is the part of the episode where we talk about stress relief, coping tools, strategies, things that you can use in your daily living or in the meantime, between time, between therapy visits to get you through. Or you know what? You just want to figure out what can I add to my life to make my day-to-day just a little bit more bearable (laughs) just to maintain some peace right so today let's talk about something very simple you know i love to give you some deep reflective ones and then sometimes i give you something simple we talking about hygiene one more time (laughs) when is the last time you have honestly rid yourself of all of the days and the week's drama with a good hair wash. Now, I've talked to you about visualizing, showering, and watching those things really drop off your skin, your body. Like visualizing the pain, the hurt, the frustration go down the drain. But washing your hair while you're visualizing the things that are troubling your brain, your mind, the things that you keep batting back and forth cognitively. I want you to, even and if you're bald, baby, wash the cranium steel. <laughs> Massage your scalp after you wash your hair. And as you're massaging, 
because remember the wash rid us of the things that we've been ruminating, we've been holding on to, we want to let go of. The massage of your scalp, while you're massaging your scalp or oiling your scalp or twisting your hair and brushing your hair, combing your hair, I want you to think about what you're putting into yourself. The things that you're replacing those negative thoughts and that negative energy with. So is that healing thoughts are there. Thoughts that are um, all about positive self-esteem and confidence are these thoughts about positive motivation. Are these thoughts related to your professional goals, your personal goals? Are you talking about some self-love in there? I want you guys to really get into the power of cleansing your body with visualization and the power of touch. If you can get someone to wash your hair, that's great too. You may say, I don't have the energy. Well, the next time you pull up to the barber, to the salon, to one of your friends, to your auntie, to your cousin and them for your hair styling and your hair needs, I want you to take deep breaths as they're washing and say things under that dryer. <laughs> say things to yourself while they're styling you or create a conversation around positive thoughts, around positivity, around healthy things that you want, around beneficial things if you're in a conversation mood because we are now shifting the energy. Your crown, your brain, that is the... Is the CEO of your body, right? That we say the crown of your head. You should treat yourself, treat your body as royalty. Treat your body as something that deserves to be honored and deserves to get attention and love. So go ahead. Get on that hair wash and moisturization. <laughs> Tell me how it goes for you. Tell me how it feels. And now it's time for the cool down. This is the part of the episode where we focus on mindfulness, relaxation, breathing, relaxation, and most importantly, you. Now during this exercise, I'll be asking you to do things like take deep breaths, close your eyes, so we can visualize together. Now if you're not in a safe space, free of distraction, or you're just not ready, it's okay. Pause. Stop me. It's a podcast. You can come back to me later when you feel safe and when you feel ready.
we're about to begin. I want you to take your first deep breath in. Let it out. you to visualize yourself walking through a hallway. It's lit well, not too bright, not too dim, but the only thing you can hear as you're walking down this hallway is the sound of your footsteps. This door has a knob that only you can use to open. Once you get to the door, place your hand on the knob, turn it to the right, and push the door open gently. You're gonna find yourself in a room that's filled with things that allow you to relax and feel safe. Oh, look at all those things. Smell all the smells that you associate with peace. Taken the sounds that bring you peace and usher in relaxation. What's there? Are there candles? Are there blankets? Is there music playing? Are there windows in this room? Is there a place to sit, to lay, recline? Are some of your favorite comfort foods and snacks there? for you, a chance to unwind in a place curated just for you, explore the room, I know you've already started, 
take a deep breath in. from your feet let your hands and your arms fall where they need to beside you or in your lap you are safe and this is your place to unwind You can revisit this space. Make time for this space. Because you deserve this space. Take a deep breath in. Let it out. This has been your cool down. Thank you for taking a moment for yourself. All right, all right, all right. We made it to the end of another episode. And I love it, I love it, I love it. Hey, uh, you're here with me for another episode. And I loved it, I loved it. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for subscribing remember if you're listening and you're not subscribing remember to subscribe remember to share your favorite episodes share the podcast i love when you spread the love thank you for all your support thank you for continually continuously checking in with me checking in on jojo asking how the girls are preparing for school you guys are such a dope little community i love ya I love ya. <laughs> I hope that you get everything you need to make this week everything it needs to be for you. And always remember, you don't owe these people anything. You owe yourself everything. And sometimes doing the nothing is the something that you need. Especially when the world is crazy. <laughs> So, until next time, love you, bye, we out.